2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to get you ready for a huge weekend of NFL action, chat with NFL first and goal analyst Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, and provide your fantasy fix.
1: And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with NFL columnist Jason Cole.
2: Jason, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start with Adrian Peterson. Now that he's been placed on injured reserve, ending his season, do you think there's a chance the Cardinals will want him back next year to back up David Johnson at the age of 33?
3: Well, look, given how things ended for him in New Orleans, uh, they may want him as a backup. I don't think Adrian's going to want to be a backup, right? Like, that, wasn't, that was a bad marriage right, right from the beginning because there just weren't enough touches, and I think that Adrian still believes that he can play. And will want to go somewhere where he thinks he can play. It will take some time before he's willing to accept, if he ever does, that he's a backup. There are some guys who just can't can't do that. Um, They they can't they can't see themselves in that kind of role. So to me, it sort of has to be more of a. uh, This is more about where Adrian Peterson is in his mind and his progression as as an athlete.
1: Jason, if you had to deal with the situation in Cleveland, as far as the head coaching job is concerned, how would you deal with that? Considering there's only been one game won in the last two years.
3: Look, I love you, Jackson. So this is hard. You know, like there's a personal part of me that says Hugh e Jackson, can fi- can fix this, right? Because I've seen his work. I know how disciplined he is. I know the kind of human being he is. But there's also part of me that the logical part of me, that sits here, and I like John Dorsey too, right? Let, let's not. Um, you know, uh, let's, let's not say that I favor one over the other. But part of me also who says, there's a point at which athletes tune out the coach, right? And say, that guy can't help me win. And when you're 1-28 in 28 or whatever they've been at this point in time under Hugh Jackson, part of me says that players there probably don't believe that Hugh Jackson can help them win. And if they don't believe that, then they're not going to buy into what he's selling and he's no longer viable as a head coach.
2: Taking you around the league with Jason Cole. Bleacher Report, Jason, the Bengals are 5-8 and eight, and they're going to Minnesota on Sunday. Once more, Marvin Lewis is in the final year of his contract. What do you think his future looks like in Cincinnati?
3: That's funny. I was talking to somebody in, um, in Cincinnati about this earlier this week. Um, and basically what they said is that you know, Mike Brown, where, where's Mike Brown's head? Is Mike Brown at the point where he knows he needs to bring somebody in to change what's going on there? Or is he so comfortable with the fact that Marvin will let him do it his way that he doesn't care anymore, right? Like, and that's the really critical question in all of this, is that if you try and hire another coach who's any good, right, then you're going to have that coach probably come into your building and tell you, if you're Mike Brown, hey, look, this doesn't work. We can't have players who touch the coaches on the sideline and, you know, push them aside. We can't have... We have to do some addition by subtraction by getting rid of some of the knuckleheads who won't do it the way we want to do it. And I'm not sure that Mike Brown has a whole lot of appetite to hear that. If he doesn't, then Marvin possibly stays. If he acquiesces to, look, it's been long enough and the fans are are no longer happy, then Marvin's going to go. But this is all dependent on one man and what that one man believes. This is not based on group think in any way, shape, or form.
1: When I think of the MVP award, Jason, I think of someone that's consistent um, and, and, and pretty much a difference maker in the game. The conversation about Antonio Brown has been, I want, I want to say minimal, and nothing to really yeah. brag about, but he's been a game changer and he's also turned games around and, and, some, and been consistent. Do you think he has an opportunity?
3: Oh, yeah, he would be in the discussion. I mean, if I was to name three to five candidates, he'd be one of them. Now, look, Carson Wentz was way at the top of that list. The fact that Carson Wentz is now out for the season, um, op- I think, opens it up more for Antonio Brown. I think Ben Roethlisberger gets consideration on, on off wide I think Le'Veon Bell, some people talk about him. But to me, it's clear that in, a, in an era of spectacular wide receivers, Antonio Brown may be the most spectacular. He may not be the most gifted, right? Like, you wouldn't you wouldn't draw up a receiver necessarily who looks like Antonio Brown. You'd want the taller guy. You'd want the Julio Jones. You'd want the AJ green types, right? That's more along the lines of the kind of receiver that you typically want to have, but nobody outworks Antonio Brown and nobody makes bigger plays in a game than Antonio Brown. And nobody determines how the offense goes more than Antonio Brown. Like if he, when he's getting eight, nine, ten catches a game, they're close to unstoppable. And And, you know, he opens up so much. And, and, yeah, he feeds off of other guys. But, yeah, he's clearly in that conversation to me.
2: Looking to make history, no wide receivers ever won the MVP award in the NFL other than Jerry Rice got the designation from. The Associated Press a long time ago. Jason Cole, Bleacher Report, is our guest. It's the NFL on TuneIn. Jason, what do you make of the reports indicating there's friction between Bucks head coach Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston? As you know, Winston said the other day in public everything's fine. But what do you expect him to say?
3: I think there's friction between any human being and Dirk Cutter because of the way that he likes to he likes to talk to people, and that's not unlike a lot of other head coaches. Cordell did. I always I find this stuff amusing, Cordell. Did you get along
1: with every head, every coach that you ever had? In times I did not. Right. I mean, did care to be around but, him sometimes, Jason. Well, I'm sorry. What I said, I didn't care to be around them sometimes.
3: No, yeah, just just a couple of times, right? Just, like just a, a couple. couple of times every day. Yeah, right? Right. and so <laughs> here's here's a story that I, I I once sat in Otto Graham's living room. He was in his 70s at the time, still you know before the before he really started to get sick and his mind went right, so he's telling me a story about him and Paul Brown, right? And he's telling me about how Paul Brown took him out of a game because he ran the you know, he left the pocket too early one time, and Paul Brown got angry, so he put in his backup. And Otto Graham sat there and said, "If I I was sat there on the sideline and if I had a gun, I would have walked up and I would have shot Paul Brown right then, right?" Wow. That's how angry he was with Paul Brown. He's laughing as he's telling it, right? They won seven titles in 10 years. Now, granted, it wasn't the NFL that we know today, but they made it work. And the whole point about this is when you're competing at this level, you don't always see eye to eye. And sometimes you need, as an athlete and as a coach, that kind of creative dissonance. Like, we're going to argue and fight about this and we're going to come up with the right answer. And you know, be damned if we're not going to find a way to do this. That's what great competitors do. And it's, you know, it's ugly sometimes. It's not pleasant sometimes. And again, I defer to you, Cordell, but I've heard tons of stories. And so if they don't get along, okay. As as long as they can sit in a meeting room and actually talk, and it's not gotten to the point where it's either him or me kind of stuff, then this is kind of typical of how coaches and players you know, that will work, especially when things aren't going well. And right now, things are not going well in
1: Tampa Bay. I mean, just think about New England when you had Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels actually going through their shout match in the blizzard they had out there in Buffalo. So right. it's normal. Steve That's Young, stuff, I, mean, I mean, he didn't right, way I mean, back that,
3: when. That, that stuff happens. North Turner and Troy Aikman used to MF each other up one side and down another, right? All, you know, all, all the time, during the middle of games, and that's how Troy communicates because he was, yeah, he was a he's a foul mouth guy when he played. He right, Tampa, Jason, but North Turner, Turner kept the difference.
2: job. Is Dirk Cutter going to keep his gig in Tampa Bay? I don't know. That one I don't know about because, you know, again, you
3: get back to the Glazers, and the Glazers do things in odd ways. And again, the one thing you don't know about this is is this to the point where it has to be a divorce? Like, is, is Dirk Cutter walking in? to Jason Light's office and into the Glazer's office going, I can't work with this guy. If that's the case, then it's a divorce. Okay, And Dirk Cutter is probably the one who's going because Jameis Winston is the guy that they invested in. But if it's not that, then I think it's something you work through. The other question that you have more, that's more important about Dirk Cutter is, why can't you get this offense to be more consistent? Like There are some, there are some other issues with this team that I, that I question. That go beyond the relationship between Jameis and Dirk.
1: Hmm. Give me a take on the Chargers and, and looking at how they're coming back. The first five games they were one and four, and now they have the second best defense in National Football League with points allowed. Uh, do you see there being a, a true opportunity for them to win that division?
3: Well, I think they can win. This. I mean, look, Saturday is the biggest thing that happens, right? So they got Kansas City on Saturday. That's I mean, it's a huge game, and. In Kansas City, I'm not sure they can. I'm not sure what they're going to do in that game, because I'm not sure which. It's hard when you have a rookie head coach. Like you don't know how consistent your team is going to be from week to week with a rookie head coach. So I, I kind of wonder about that, and especially, you know, I like Anthony Lynn a lot. But in that one and four start that you talked about, there were a couple of games that were winnable, and. They could have flipped some games. Like the Jacksonville game, they should have flipped. The Denver game, they had a chance to flip that game. The Miami game at home, they certainly should have flipped that game, right? So they should be sitting with a two-game lead, in, in my view. And a lot of that has to do with, again, young head coach. You hope he learns. You hope he turns it around. All of that said, look, when you start out with Bosa and Ingram, that's the, that's the best combination. That's the best one-two punch of pass rushers, defensive linemen in the league. You can wreck a lot of games with those two guys as long as they stay healthy. Now, I think their other teams are just as good in total because they're deeper. Like you know, you look at Philadelphia and how they play with their defensive line, or Pittsburgh how they play with their defensive line. I think those teams, those two those two teams are comparable, but it's because of depth, not because of two stars. Those two stars, when they're on the field, they wreak havoc, and so they create all sorts of opportunities for that team to play, and Again, I, I thought at the beginning of this year that San Diego was a really good bet to make the playoffs if they had done, if they had done what they should have done in winning a couple of those four losses that we, we talked about during that, that, during that early sh- streak. They'd be in a lot better position. My question is, is this a team that can go on the road and beat either or both Pittsburgh and New England? And I think the answer to that is no, they can't. They might win one of those games. They're not going to win both.
2: Got him with Jason Cole Bleach Report. Jason, if the Raiders lose to the Cowboys on Sunday night, Oakland goes to six and eight. This team has been a major disappointment. Who are you holding accountable? Why do you think the Raiders have underachieved this year?
3: I think it's Jack Del Rio. I like Jack, but Jack. Uh, like he's the one calling the shots for that team. And this team and I think if you went back and you did a study of Jack Del Rio teams, when they were expected to be good, you would find that they ultimately are disappointments. If you're, if you're talking about Jack Del Rio teams when they're not expected to be good, ultimately they end up overachieving. Because a lot of it has to do with Jack Del Rio coaches a lot in the same way mentally and, and emotionally the way that he played. When doubted, he overcame it. When expected to do something, he came up a little bit short. That's why he was a good a very good player and not a great one and so that's to me is they're a reflection of Jack Del Rio
1: Jason when you look at Green Bay after losing Aaron Rodgers um, I've said that the team has gotten much better because of Aaron Rodgers being absent meaning that the guys had to pick up their play to help out Brett Hundley Uh, how big of a move is it is it for this football team bring him back with this team and the energy they have moving forward and can they get it done uh, maybe running the table to have a chance, an outside chance to get in the postseason.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, would re- I mean, look, I really want to. I want to see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs every year. Um, it's going to cost either Cam Newton or M- Matt Ryan, in all likelihood, or Drew Brees a shot at that, which is unfortunate because you want to see better quarterbacks in the playoffs because you can really make big plays. But you know, Rodgers is the best of all of them. The one thing you're, you're right. The team has started to play better around him. They run the ball a little bit better. The defense has been more active. One thing that I worry about with this team a lot is all of a sudden do they exhale and do they say, okay, well, we got, you know, daddy's back, you know, behind center, uh, you know, he'll take care of all these problems and we don't have to play with that kind of, you know, uh, urgency. Now they can't, they, they can't afford one slip up. And that's why I think that Aaron Rodgers is talking about it. He's not coming back to save this team because if that's the mentality, then they're going to lose because They can't just walk on a field and be better than people. Even with Aaron Rodgers, they need to be—they need to play with reckless abandon and all-out, you know, all-out play for them to rise to what they think they can be.
2: Jason, last one for me. Cordell loves it when I play our mutual Stanford card. We all know David Shaw. We know what Palo Alto means to him, and he said no to the NFL in the past. Is he going to say no again this offseason? Not going anywhere. Okay, just wanted confirmation. Look,
3: I, you know, I've always believed. You know, I, I don't mind if Stanford is used as a stepping stone program as long as we pick the right person to step on the stones. Like I didn't, but it didn't bother me when Jim Harbaugh used a, used this and you know was there for four years and then went on to the NFL. It didn't bother me at all. And it wouldn't bother me if David Shaw would do the same thing. But I think that David Shaw has done some calculus in his head, which is he can stay there for twenty years right. if he wants and make what you know four million a year and live the life he wants to live in the place he wants to live it with a wife who's ex- extraordinarily happy running a program the way he wants to run it. Or you can go to the NFL, and you can probably make 5 or $6 million a year, and it's 50-50 whether you survive. So at the end of that, you've probably made, what, somewhere between 12 and $15 million, and now you're out looking for another job, and you're bouncing around the country, Whereas you could play it out for the 20 years, making three to four million dollars a year, a pretty good life, real good life. I'd do that. If I'd do that in a heartbeat, if I knew that I was safe. And right now, he's incredibly safe at Stanford.
2: Although, as you know, unfortunately, four million bucks only gets you a one-bedroom apartment now in Palo Alto, based on the real estate. That,
3: that's true. <laughs> but if you do it for 10 years, you can work your way up to a two-bedroom. <laughs>
1: If David Shaw is one of the better ones and, and you wish they had more guys like him in the league, very classy to say the least. Uh, well, we,
3: you... I, Cordell, I appreciate that and I agree with that. Um, I'm glad we have him. Again, I wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't either shock me nor bother me if he decided he wanted to go to the NFL. But again, he's the son of a former NFL coach who, you know, Willie bounced around, you know, living all over the place at the whim of, of players and, and management. And I think that he probably told his son at a certain point, look, son, if you want to do that, that's fine. But understand that you don't control your life the way you do right now at Stanford.
2: Jason, as always, we appreciate the great information. Enjoy the games this weekend. Happy holidays, and we'll chat with you soon on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: Happy holidays, guys. Be good. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, I'm Jack, and I'm Chin We're the hosts of Uncivil, a new podcast from Gimlet Media. It's about the stories of the Civil War left out of the official history, how the Civil War never ended, and is still with us today. With TuneIn,
1: you can get the next episode of our show a full week early, so you can hear it before everyone else. Go to tunein.com uncivil to check it out. That's TuneIn.com slash U-N-C-I-V-I-L.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and
2: Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen across the league in week 14. It
0: takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm
2: more than sure. Partner, we have six games to pick all of six minutes, rather, to pick all the games coming up this weekend. We start on Saturday. That's tomorrow. I'm looking for brevity here. 4-9 Bears on the road at Detroit. Lions 7-6 and six trying to keep their feint. Wild card hopes alive. I'll take the Lions at home. How about you? I'm
1: going with the Lions as well. They need this one. I'm going with them.
2: Huge game in Kansas City is the nightcap. Saturday football doubleheader. 7-6 Chargers matching up with the 7-6 Chiefs. Chiefs won on the road in L.A. in Week 3. Chargers have bounced back from an 0-4 start. They've won four consecutive games. I'm going to take Kansas City at home with a narrow victory. How about you? I don't know who they are. I'm going
1: to go with the Chargers, who are a little bit more desperate and in need of a victory to give them a chance to go to the postseason. I'm going with the L.A. Chargers.
2: We move on to the eight early games on Sunday. 6 and 7 Miami coming off their Monday night football victory over the Patriots on the road at 7 and 6 Buffalo, trying to keep their wild card hopes alive. Tyrod Taylor's back in the starting lineup. The Bills are going to win at home. How do you see it? I'm going with the Bills. I am. 7 and 6 Baltimore trying to enhance their wild card possibilities. They're on the road at Cleveland. The Browns still winless. Baltimore's going to win. Make it official. You sure? Yes.
1: I'm going with the Cleveland, not winning that game. I'm going with Baltimore. Oh.
2: Head fake, mm-hmm. you got me there. My man. Five and eight Bengals on the road to Minnesota. Ten and three. Minnesota still with a chance to be the one seed. The NFC. I see the Vikings winning this football game. How about you? I'm going with the Vikings. I'm going with the Vikings. Case Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you. to cap of the week. Five and eight Jets leaving Muhammad Wilkerson at home. He's knocking down the plane when they go to New Orleans against the Saints. Nine and four, trying to draw closer to wrapping up the divisional title. I'll take the Saints at home. How about you? I'm
1: going with the NO, baby. New Orleans.
2: The Nick Foles era begins for the Eagles 11-2 and two, trying to lock up the top seed in the NFC on the road the Meadowlands taking on the hapless Giants who were 2-11 I'm taking Philly on the road how about you
1: I'm going with Philly I think Nick Foles gets it done I'm going with Philly
2: two teams playing for pride in our nation's capital six and seven Arizona five and eight Washington I'll take the Redskins at home how about you
1: you know what I'll go with Arizona in this game. I think they come out on top. Washington, I think they're ready to go on vacation. I'm going Arizona.
2: The return of Aaron Rodgers starts in North Carolina. 7-6 Green Bay. Trying to keep their wild card hopes alive. Taking on the 9-4 Panthers. You know who I'm taking. All Aaron Rodgers all the time. How about you?
1: I'm going with the Panthers. I think they... They take that energy from that game against the Minnesota Vikings and the physicality of the game and impose their will on this Green Bay team that's not ready to go to Carolina. I'm going to
2: Panthers. Divisional matchup in Jacksonville. The 4-9 Texans being guided by T.J. Yates after Tom Savage was in the concussion protocol on Sunday. The Jaguars, 9-4. They've won back-to-back games. If they win this game, they're going to the playoffs for the first time since 2007. Leonard Fournette may not play with the quad injury. It won't matter. Jaguars win. How about you?
1: Probably one of the biggest victories in this organization's history. I am going with the Jaguars as well. It's been a long time coming. Let's go, Jags.
2: We have two minutes and 30 seconds left. We can be methodical for some important games. Nine and four Rams on the road in Seattle. Seahawks are 8-5. They beat the Rams in Southern California in Week 5, and they're going to do it again at home to sweep the season series. I'm taking the Seahawks at home. How about you? This team has only
1: lost one game on the road. They're not afraid to travel. I am going with the Rams with getting their opportunity to prevail in this division. Seattle has too many injuries on defense. I'm going with that offense with the Rams.
2: The game of the weekend will be played in Pittsburgh. AFC title game rematch. The 10-3 Patriots coming off their road loss. I'm under football in Miami without Rob Gronkowski taking on the 11-2 Steelers who have won eight consecutive games. Pittsburgh's defense shaky in recent weeks. They've given up 86 points over the last three games. That's why I'm picking the Patriots on the road. How about you?
1: And they still came away with victories, and that's why I'm going with the black and yellow team. I think Ben Roethlisberger and his offense steps it up to another level. Defense have to hang around, be cautious, be safe, uh, but most importantly, make the stops that's needed. I'm going with the Steelers.
2: 8-5, and Tennessee Titans on the road in the San Francisco Bay Area taking on the 3-10. 49ers, who have won back-to-back games, that's good for pride, but bad for draft positioning. They're trying to lock up a top-five pick. Marcus Marotta's is banged up. It won't matter. Titans need this game to enhance their playoff possibilities. I've got the Titans on the road. How about you?
1: They have their equivalent of the top-five picks with Jimmy Garoppolo being on his team. Won two games in a row. Let's make it three. I'm going with Jimmy Garoppolo beating my Titans on the road there in Santa Clara, giving his team three victories in a
2: row do it. 30 seconds to go for Sunday night football. 7-6 and six. Dallas on the road at 6-7 and seven. Oakland. I'll take the Cowboys. How about you?
1: I think Sean Lee as well as Dak Prescott and company I think they go on the road and get this victory against the Oakland Raiders team that doesn't have a clue.
2: I'll take the Cowboys as well. Looking ahead they get Ezekiel Elliott back next week when they take on the Seahawks.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
2: Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL first and goal exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From Week 1 to Week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block. Brady
4: Touchdown.
2: Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. It is a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn.
0: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's take you around the league with former NFL safety and and first-and-goal analyst Nick Ferguson. Nick, as we watched last night, we saw Brock Osweiler come off the bench and lead Denver to a comeback victory on the road in Indy. Looking ahead to next season, is the Broncos starter for Week 1 in 2018 on their current roster?
4: You know, gentlemen, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, When I look at the current Quarterback situation, i said at this point, yes. Because if you look at some of the guys that are coming out this, this year, uh, I don't really believe uh, in those guys, those young quarterbacks, being now you're asking John Elway to possibly endure another season of mediocre play with a, a young quarterback. Uh, Brock Osweiler did show some flashes last night, and, yes, it was against uh, the Colts who were 3-11, but you wanted to see a quarterback at least – Move the ball down the field because in the past couple of weeks, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and even Brock Osweiler at one point, they didn't really have any consistency that you wanted to see in your offense. So uh, for a team that was able to notch the second uh, win of the season, especially after not winning a game over two months, I think John Elwood was pretty much satisfied with what he saw out of Brock Osweiler last night.
1: You talked about Brock Osweiler moving the team up and down the field. Uh, Last week, we had a chance to see Blake Bortles do that against the Seattle Seahawks, and now having a chance to play against Houston at home, they get this win. They're in. How big of a game is this for Jacksonville? Let's date it all the way back uh, to when Tom Coughlin was actually the head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars team.
4: Well, this is not just a big game for the franchise. This is a much larger game for. Uh, the guy you just uh, mentioned, Blake Bortles. I mean, uh, at the start of the season, everyone knows that Coughlin was putting putting together a great defense, and they've showed uh, what they can do as a cohesive unit. But Blake Bortles was the only problem with this team, and I- I've listened to both you and uh, beware but debate that and say, well, if this team were to get to uh, the playoffs, it would be on the merit of their defense because that weak link was Borders. But he's been playing well over the past couple of weeks, and you just mentioned the game. I think was a statement game for not just the, the Jaguars, but big Borders being able to go out there and play a great game against a decent uh, Seattle Seahawks defense, and I know it, it wasn't the Legion of Boom of old, so that, that changed a lot of things. But I want to give credit what credit was due. I mean, he threw the ball down the field. He slid inside the pocket. And the biggest thing that uh, Blake Borders was known for was making mistakes. He did not do that. So so moving forward, you have to like the Jackson and Jaguars' chances of winning the game of this weekend against Houston, a team that they just totally you know, ramshackled at the beginning of the season. I believe their defense had about nine uh, turnovers, or excuse me, nine sacks in that game and forced three turnovers. So they're looking to have uh, the ability to dish out the same thing and get their team into the playoffs for the first time in a long time.
2: Taking you around the league with Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety, spent a decade in the pros among his stops, New York. So, Nick, as a former Jet, let's talk about a few things going on with Gang Green. You have offense coordinator John Morton conceding that he tried to run out the clock on the road in Denver. Perhaps understandable because Josh McCown was hurt, but certainly not a very positive mindset to be displaying Publicly, And now we know that Muhammad Wilkerson is not going to be getting on the plane when the Jets go to New Orleans. He's being left home because of breaking another team rule. He showed up late to the facility today. What do you make of what's going on in the midst of a positive season for the Jets when a lot of people thought they might go winless? They have five victories, but it feels like they're not closing the season out strongly. Well,
4: you know, it's funny that you mentioned opening and closing. They start out the season... And terrible fashion, and everyone was calling for Mike McCagnett, uh, his head for him and Todd Bowles to be fired. It seems as though uh, after overcoming that onslaught at the very beginning and then putting uh, together some great games, now they're reverting back to the same old Jets and a little bit of dysfunction in, in, the, in that locker room. And that tells you a lot about the growth and maturity of a team and not having a bunch of team leaders in the locker room that – you go, on, you go on a run, and then all of a sudden everyone's feeling great about themselves, and then now things start to go back to the way they were at the very beginning of the season, and you revert back to the same old behavior. Uh, to me, I'm not surprised. Uh, Todd Bowles, like I said, I played for Todd Bowles, and he was my DB coach when I was a member of the, Denver, uh, excuse me, the New York Jets. But you have to be able to send a message to your player. I don't care who you are, how much money you make. Or the level of production you think that you give to this team you break a team rule there's consequences for for those actions so moving forward uh, Todd is doing the right thing it just sad and unfortunate that Wilkinson won't be there to fight with his teammates as much as they they need him but uh, it just tells you a lot about that locker room and how they need to find a way to show that up in 2018.
1: The Rams have truly improved uh, this year across the board defensively especially on the offensive side of the football which Got them right now in the position to maybe go on the road and get a win against Seattle and then pretty much claim that division. But the things that I have question marks about them with is they lost to Seattle once there at the Coliseum. Uh, they went on the road and lost to Minnesota, only scored seven points, and then they just lost to Philly at home. This team is 5-1 on the road. They're not afraid to travel. Give me your take on what is it going to take for this Rams team to be able to come out of that, out of that stadium with a victory.
4: Well, well Cordell, they, they... – have to play their, their style of football. They have to remember that uh, they ran the ball well with Todd Gurley earlier this year. Uh, Robert Woods will be back. Uh, I don't know how much involved he would be with the offense, especially missing several weeks with that shoulder injury. And Jared Goff has to remember they listen. I mean, everyone was writing me off. Sean McVay was a young coach. Now everyone was talking about us, once again, patting us on the back. And in the NFL, you know this as well as I do. You know you're going to have your ups and downs, but you have to be able to bounce back. And now, after everything you were able to accomplish this season, now you're starting out with a team that pretty much has run this division for the past three or four years. And the Seattle Seahawks, yes, they beat you in your own place. But the reason they beat you wasn't just because they were just that much better. It's just that you could not make that last throw and catch to uh, Cooper Cook uh, and the end zone. If 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 he catches that pass. That changed the whole complexity of where we are right now. So you cannot allow the noise of Seattle to get to you. This is a statement game for the organization. Yes, you are a young team. Yes, you are inexperienced. But if you want to put yourself on a map, it's going to start with a game against the Seattle Seahawks and being able to punch them in the teeth and being able to sustain their initial urge at the beginning of the game.
2: Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Nick, you and I have not had much of an MB, uh, MVP discussion, so let's change that now. How do you see the race this year, and what are you going to do with Antonio Brown, knowing that no wide receiver in the history of the National Football League has ever won the coveted individual award?
4: Well, you know what? I hope the individuals don't hold that against him because he's had uh, a sensation a year. Uh, we watched him and his tirade on the sideline. But uh, offensive coordinator Ty Haley frustrated that he wasn't getting the ball. But now it seems like he and Ben are, are back on the same page. And, you know, you can double-team and you can triple-team. He still is going to find a way to get the ball And, and I know we're talking about Carson Wentz uh, at the very beginning, but he suffered that injury, and that just kind of terrible for him. And the guy of all guys is Tom Brady. You know, he's 40. Uh, could he get his team back to a Super Bowl? Uh, but, you know, I, I like breaking – you know, getting outside of tradition. So I would love to see Antonio Brown actually win the coveted award because when you talk about MVP, it's the guy who who means the most to his team. And you look at the fact, if you take him out of the equation, that changes everything for Le'Veon Bell and what he can do in the running game. And it definitely changes all the things from a statistical standpoint for Ben Roethlisberger. So I hope, you know, this is the year, that, you know, we go outside the norm and a wide receiver finally wins that coveted award.
1: i tell you what, he gets this win against New England. I think he'll probably be at the top of that conversation. Uh, but I think it'll be a great conversation with Aaron Rodgers coming back. Uh, give me your take on what does he need to do against this team that, that's that's shown that they're capable of getting after the quarterback from a defensive standpoint and how do you think the game plan need to be for him to actually find his way to get into a good rhythm to be able to be successful?
4: To me, for a guy who uh, sustained his uh, second collarbone injury over the couple, past couple of years, to me I'm thinking short, quick throws. Put him in that type of offense that Peyton Manning has enjoyed when he was playing where you sit in the shotgun, you already know where you want to go with the ball. If that first option isn't there, you go to your second option. But what, what the true test is going to be the first contact he receives, and Julius Peppers brings him to the ground. Because last week we saw Peppers look like he turned back the clock against the Minnesota Vikings, and that Vikings uh, offensive line was just, just kind of decimated by that pass rush of the Carolina Panthers. So it's going to be interesting, and that's the thing that raises a lot of questions about, you know, why, why now? Why not, you know, another week? And I know we're saying, okay, well, this is a game that they need to stay in a division race, but also you have a franchise quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that you need to get two, three more years out of because from what we've seen in his stead, you know, Hundley's not the guy. So you want to try to keep uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, clean in the pocket, but quick throws, you've got to get the ball out of his hands and so they don't get a time or rhythm on a quarterback and you don't want to see several guys pouncing on your quarterback.
2: Finally, Nick, source is close to the NFL on TuneIn Report. You're about to check out the Star Wars movie. Will you go dressed up as Yoda tonight?
4: No, I will not go dressed up in Yoda, but I will have on a Yoda T-shirt. Nice. So I guess that doesn't classify uh, as going dressed as the Green Master himself.
2: These are not the droids you're looking for. Cordell, what's your favorite Star Wars memory in 60 seconds or less?
1: My my favorite, uh, I would say... Darth Vader, just when he would come out, and how he would impose his darkness on everyone, and the breathing—I <sighs> mean, it was—it's always the villain that always get all the love and all the attention. You know, it's well, just real- like Batman. Batman looked like he's the villain, but he gets beat up all the time. He doesn't fall into the category of being the superhero. But I think Darth Vader is the guy uh, that I love most, just watching, because everything else was what it was. But Darth Vader, come on,
4: man—he's the guy. Every, he's the only villain that everyone loves. Freddy Krueger, Jason, no one likes those guys, but everyone loves Darth Vader. Everyone.
1: Yeah, no one likes the. Ch- 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 call, 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 call. Nobody, because you know he's coming with a, a machete ready to do something to
2: you. Just like hot takes, man, tearing it up. Nick, enjoy the film and rest up. I'm going to need a lot of fantasy tidbits from you on Sunday because all of our listeners need to know what's going on in the fantasy semifinals, okay?
0: I will do so, my friend. Hey, guys, have a great weekend. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
4: Hey guys,
5: you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn. And since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened. And along with our co-host, we Dan Van We try
0: to break down that material with Dan Van Kirk. Dan Van
5: Kirk. Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down. And then us and again, we and a guest break it all down and we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour and you will enjoy it it's a riff, it gets fast. silly. You can hear episodes of our show uh, a full week early right here on TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber
2: and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for the Fantasy Fix.
0: Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans.
3: Makes up to the 30. he's gone! He's gone. What a move!
0: It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and from the Fantasy Heroes.
2: Down the middle, it's
0: cold over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy, fantasy fix.
2: Today, the fantasy fix being provided by our good friend Brittingham MT from Roto Radar. Britt, good to have you back on the program. It's the semifinal round in most leagues, so we don't have time to mess around. I need your top five running backs this weekend.
5: Well, uh, Brian thank, and Cordell, thanks for having me on. I can't believe we're already here in the semifinals if you've made it this far. Uh, running backs this weekend, clearly the top option is Le'Veon Bell, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He gets a dream matchup against the Patriots, who are allowing over five yards per carry. Bell himself has the most carries in the league, and he gets a matchup upgrade with injury news today. We found out the starting defensive tackle for the Patriots will be out so if you have Le'Veon Bell, if uh, you're facing Le'Veon Bell, it's, uh, this guy's going to be involved, involved heavily all weekend. Outside of Le'Veon, you've got the Saints duo, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, both in the spots at home against the Jets. They are 16-point favorites at home. Both of them are averaging right around 15 touches per game. But if this game is truly going to be a double-digit spread, Ingram and Kamara will be heavily involved. And outside of that, I mean, your usual suspects, Todd Gurley, even though he's on the road at Seattle, it just doesn't matter. Gurley's been a guy who has 100 or more yards from scrimmage in 11 or 13 games this season. He just gets there, whether it's receptions, goal line carries, they find a way in that creative offense. And then the last guy, I had him down as a really highly rated this week, but Leonard Fournette has yet to practice this week, and they're listening him as questionable in a home game against the Texans. The matchup's great. They're allowing 158.7 yards in scrimmage for running backs the last three weeks, but I'm pretty uh, nervous about Fournette playing this weekend.
1: Britt, how do you view the likely return of Robert Woods, and should you insert him uh, right now into our lineups?
5: Yeah, uh, Robert Woods is back. Uh, He's been gone for a couple weeks here from this Rams offense. I just mentioned how they're so creative uh, with Todd Gurley. This is a guy that was the number one receiver when he was healthy, he was averaging seven targets a week. If you've made it this far with Robert Woods, I think he's a plug and play regardless of matchup. Uh, it is a downgrade for the rest of the offense. Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup, and even Todd Gurley will lose some uh, targets and receiving yards. But if you've made it this far with Robert Woods, I mean, you got to roll him out there. It, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hurt his value that Seattle's dealing with some injuries, especially in the second goal.
2: Fantasy Fix, Brittingham T, Roto, Radar. Britt, I'm obsessed with lists, and you did a good job with the running back, so I'm going to move you under center. Who are your top three quarterback plays this weekend?
5: Well, quarterback, um, I mean, all eyes are going to be on that uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and in the Patriots game. I think uh, those are going to be our two top-scoring fantasy quarterbacks just because the game is so good for just scoring in general. The game total opened up at 53, which was the overall highest by almost four and a half points. And you've got two teams that are dealing with, uh, on Pittsburgh's side, they might be without Ryan Shazier and uh, Joe Hayden also is very questionable. Those two are out, and you've got a healthy and fresh Rob Murkowski and Brandon Cooks running in it. They're going to create a lot of uh, scoring opportunities, and the Steelers have shown they're willing to throw and get in these shootout games. I mean, they're passing on 71% of plays over the last four games when the clock is getting stopped on the incompletions or just in general the ball is moving because they're throwing it so much. I think Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady are going to be your ones and twos, and I think Roethlisberger gets a slight edge just because he got home and he should be throwing it around a little bit more. But uh, outside of those two, you can always bank on who I think is going to be the MVP this season. Russell Wilson's just been amazing. He's the overall quarterback one on the season for fantasy purposes. This is a guy that has multiple passing touchdowns and has been the quarterback uh, ten or better in eight straight games. And I know it's the Rams and they gave him a little trouble earlier this season. But uh, ever since they traded for Dwayne Brown, this is a guy that this office has just been amazing, and he has been unstoppable.
1: Great. Is, Lamar, is Lamar Miller still worth a play or too much emphasis from opposing defenses on stopping the run without Deshaun Watson?
5: Yeah, I mean, we've got uh, a, a lot of red flags here for Lamar Miller at this point in the season. Um, we've got TJ Yates now, and uh, if you have other options this week, I would look for him. If, uh, I mean, it doesn't get worse than going on the road to Jacksonville with T.J. Yates as your quarterback, they're going to see a lot of stacked boxes. And on top of that, Miller himself was injured in-game last week. And I know he's not on the official injury report this week, but uh, at this point in the season, they've shown a tendency to really protect him. Uh, he just hasn't been a workhorse like they, I guess, expected when they signed him. If you have other options for Lamar Miller, especially this week, I would look there.
2: Talk of fantasy with Brittingham T from Roto Radar. Britt, I asked you about running back, so let's dig deeper there. What's your view of Jonathan Stewart, who had a big game a week ago against a solid Minnesota defense, matching up against Green Bay, and the Packers have had some defensive issues?
5: Yeah, Jonathan Stewart is a guy that, if you had him and you started him last week, uh you got pretty lucky. I mean, this is a guy that's only averaging 13.5 touches per week and it's all rushing. Like he is not involved in the passing game at all. They bring in Christian McCaffrey whenever it's a passing situation. And while Stewart has been really good at scoring touchdowns, he has six TDs in his last six games. I think it's an anomaly and we're going to get some negative regression here. Again, 13.5 touches for a starting running back is not a lot in the NFL. I mean, you're banking on those just goal line touches. And, of course, last week in a tough matchup against Minnesota, he ran the ball 16 times for 103 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, uh, that's a once in a uh, season, if not a lifetime, uh, achievement there.
1: Who do you have as your top five receivers this weekend?
5: Yeah, uh, receivers, we've got uh, some very good spots. Uh, we got to go back to the Pittsburgh game and uh, first I don't Antonio Brown this guy has just been a machine over the last four weeks he has 40 catches and uh, again we talked about the Steelers throwing it 71 percent of the time over those four weeks this is a guy that leads the league in targets receptions and receiving yards I think Antonio Brown is just your auto fantasy star from every week you just plug and play him but on the other side, if uh, Joe Hayden does indeed miss this game, and he's very questionable trying to return from a broken leg, I think Brandon Cooks is in a very nice bounce-back spot in that same game. Pittsburgh was a very good secondary, but uh, with the loss of Joe Hayden these last couple of weeks, they've really gotten lit up on the back end. And outside that, a uh, couple of guys I've got circled here. I really, really like Adam Thielen this week. This is a guy that already has been a monster. He has basically had five or more catches in 12 or 13 games this season, so he's been unstoppable just on getting receptions. And today we got news that Kyle Rudolph, the Vikings tight end, is out this week. Now we got Thielen in a more predictable role to be used in the red zone. I really like Adam Thielen at home against the Bengals. Uh, The last two guys, I really like uh, Devin Funches, the Carolina Panthers wide receiver at home against Green Bay. Ever since they traded Kelvin Benjamin, this has been a guy that has basically a TD, in, a TD or 80 or more yards receiving in the uh, last five weeks. And then the most bankable wide receiver the last couple of weeks has been Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints. This is a guy, again, just like Thielen, he's just so consistent. He has five or more catches in 12 of his 13 games this season. He's got receiving TD in back-to-back weeks, so he's finally getting into the end zone. He gets a Jets team that has allowed the third most wide receiver points in the last two games.
2: Finally, Britt, tell our listeners about Roto Radar. What are they going to discover when they check out the website?
4: Yeah, uh, Roto
5: Radar, uh, we have had a very good, we a DFS company. That's Daily Fantasy Sports. We specialize in the uh, week-to-week fantasy action here. And as you can tell here, uh, it's something we're very passionate about. We appreciate the time uh, you allowed us to come on here and uh, talk about fantasy football uh, for those of you that are in season long, if you're still playing, you can always still jump on over to our website, check us out. Uh, we have chat, we have articles, we have everything you need to uh, for your fantasy needs. And if you happen to get eliminated or even win the championship, go ahead and bring some of that action over to the daily fantasy sports sites, and uh, keep your fantasy season going.
2: We know there is no offseason in the world of fantasy sports. Britt, we appreciate the information. Happy holidays, and we'll chat with you next week when it's time for the Fantasy Super Bowl.
5: You as
0: well. Thanks for having me on.